it's funny, I, I've, been, um, I, I've, I've been doing a lot of Bible studies lately and, and, and uh, talking with a lot of people who are struggling with the world we live in. And you look at these subjects, the new age and the occult and spiritualism and the assault of these powers on our minds and on our lives through every avenue and sometimes you can get discouraged uh, and I see a lot of people discouraged out there and, and it's not necessarily exactly on the theme tonight but I just want to tell you a very short story. There was a very old pastor, in fact, it had come time to retire. He was a missionary in Africa. He had gone to Africa as a young man and spent his entire life there. Um, he was a pioneer for the gospel. He'd gone through much hardship and, and great suffering, far more than Clifton or I face at Warunga. And uh, he had lost his wife in Africa to disease. He had lost his four children to disease and yet he had laboured on for the Lord. These were the pioneers, weren't they? Great men and women for Christ. And he, he, it had come time for him to retire and return to America. And so he got on the boat to return back to America and it just so happened that the President of the United States was also on that boat. He had been on a hunting trip and so he had had a great time and was on his way home when the missionary who had spent his life in Africa was also on his way home to spend his last few years in his home. Well, they got into New York Harbour and the missionary who's writing the story recounts what happened. He said, as they sailed into the harbour, there were tugboats. Uh, they, 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 you know how they, they shoot the water up into the air over the boat. When they landed on the landing and they tied the boat up, there were huge crowds, hundreds and thousands of people, all cheering for, for the President. Now, you have to live in America, like I have and some of you have, to really know what Americans are like when it comes to their President. He is the King. And, and the King was returning back to his realm after going off on a hunting trip from afar. And, and, and the old pastor, there was supposed to be someone from the missionary society there to meet him. Somehow there'd been a mix-up, there was no one there. And he talks about how he, he walked down the plank and there's the president getting all the cheers and the accolades and a little disgruntled, he walks out and stands on the footpath and as he stands on the footpath, to make matters worse, it begins to rain. You can imagine the scene. So it's raining down and he starts to pray. And he says, God, I've given everything for you in Africa. He said, the President has come home to much acclaim, to a wonderful welcome. He said, I've worked for you, I've given everything, my wife, my children, my life, and there's, there's no one here. And as he was praying this prayer, he says that the Lord reached down deep into his soul to talk to him where only God can go. And he said, yes, you're right. The President has received a great welcome home. But the Lord said to that missionary, you're not home yet. Don't you think that's beautiful? You're not home. And I think when we look at these subjects, as you go through the life with its tragedies and its heartaches, you need to remember we're not home yet either, are we? We're in a war and the war hurts and there is pain. And this subject tonight is just another fruit of the war that we're caught in. And so without further ado, let's get into the New Age Agenda Part 2. 
It is almost impossible for me anyway, I don't know about you, but it's almost impossible for me to accept that the New Age agenda is impacting the Christian church. Uh, Dare I say, it's even impacting the Adventist church. It's almost impossible to believe that, to accept it, but the fact is, it is. I want to tell you tonight, the New Age agenda, remember what we looked at last week, it is nothing but an Old Age agenda, which is uh, the New Age agenda is nothing but the occult witchcraft in a modern contemporary setting. And if you have a look at the assault, and we looked at this last week, of the New Age upon the world through the movies and the music, through our television, through every media outlet, every way that, God, that Satan can get it into our homes, we, we are being impacted by spiritualism and the occult, then you would expect, wouldn't you, because the church is in the world, that the church would be impacted by it. Is that a reasonable assumption? Is it? Well, I want to tell you that the church is. I want to share with you tonight a few ways how it is. But I want to give you a a statement by Dr. Carol A. Jackson, pastor of a large church in America. Not Not an Adventist, but I was interested in what she had to say. She said, the key ingredients of witchcraft are manipulation and control. Now, stop and think about that for a moment. She's really saying the key ingredients of the New Age agenda of witchcraft, of wizardry, of sorcery is manipulation and control and she's right. Who's manipulating? Who's trying to control? And what does he want to control? What is the ultimate prize in this battle between light and darkness, between Satan and Jesus? What is it? You are, your heart. And so witchcraft, when you pull the curtain aside, new age, I don't care what you call it, sorcery, whatever, whatever you want, the occult, whatever you want to call it, it is nothing but manipulation and control by the devil to get you on his side. Now, I want to look at examples of witchcraft and New Age in the church. And to do that, I want to tell you before I start, I'm not here to attack the Christian church tonight. I'm just, to sh- just here to share with you some realities of what the Christian church faces. And because it's a serious uh, topic, I just want one more time to ask you to bow your heads as we ask God to give me the words and you the open heart to understand what we're looking at. God, this really is a serious subject. Um, We really need you here in this church. You are here in the music. You are here as we prayed. And I want to pray that you'll stay here now, God, as we look at this important subject. May it do nothing but educate our minds to the dangers of the world and draw us closer to you. May we always realise how beautiful you are, Jesus, and how desperately we are in need of your presence in our lives. Thanks, God, for hearing our prayer. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Let me give you some examples of witchcraft in the church. It was interesting as I did this study that most of the examples that I came across, and I'm really just skirting across a very deep and wide subject, but most of the examples I came across were in the Pentecostal movement. And I want to tell you that as a Seventh-day Adventist preacher, I think there's a lot to be said for the Pentecostal movement. Those people are, on the whole, very committed to the cause. They give liberally, uh, they love their church, they're very missionary minded. But if you want to have a look, and perhaps I challenge you to do it, 
at witchcraft of new age in the Christian church today. Um, I'm talking about a system now, not people. There's no better place to start than in the Pentecostal movement. Now that's not to say it's not in the other Christian movements because it is. In fact, I believe there's elements of it even in Adventism and we may talk about that for a few moments tonight. But I want to just share with you for a little bit some of the things that I found. Number one, Manipulating people into financial giving by quoting unbiblical formulas. That is, if you give a certain amount of money, you will receive a hundredfold, the highest possible blessing. I, I've got a, uh, a TV at home. It's connected up to a satellite and I get, I think, about seven religious stations. I sometimes sit... How many of you get these stations? 3ABN. You get a Hope. Now, who else? Daystar, TBN... JC, whatever, JCTV is it? Trinity, and there's one more. Church TV, God TV. Yeah. These are, some of these networks we're working hard at right now to get our own church service onto. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. But I sometimes, I've got to admit to you, sit in my lounge chair in wonder as I look at the manipulation of the people in the congregation to give money. Have you seen it? Now how is it that I could say that that is a new age influence on the church? Am I tying... Oh, I wish this was a class I'd like to open. Oh, look, I want to just open it up for two seconds. How is it that I could say that that is a manipulation of the occult of the new age on the church? Tell me. Nobody got any idea? Go back and study ancient paganism. It is a very interesting study. When I was doing my degree in history at Avondale College and at PUC in the United States of America, I found it very interesting studying, very interesting to study ancient cultures. Almost every ancient culture, except the Israelite culture, almost everyone is steeped in what? Paganism, the occult, the old age which is now the new age. And as interesting as you look at their modes of worship, that's central to heathen pagan worship. Worship directed by the devil himself is to manipulate the money out of the worshippers. In fact, it almost seems that the entire pagan worship service was designed to get money out of the poor. And people would come to the temple, to the pagan temples to worship and if you did not come with money then there was no point going to worship. And as interesting as I have seen, this concept of the old age, if I dare call it that, being transported into the church in the new age. It is a new age concept. Let me go further into this. Money lines. I've seen this on television where people are placed into lines at the front of the church based on the amount of money they give but that's not the end of it and certain blessings are pronounced on these individuals which are with of course the highest monetary givers receiving the largest blessing. Have you seen what happens here? Has anybody seen this? It's happening more and more in many Christian churches today. Uh, You four boys, come here. I want to show you what happens. Physically, I'm not going to do it. I don't think these guys have got any money. Have you got any money you'd like to give me tonight? (laughs) But what they do is the pastor will make an impassioned 
plea for a certain cause in the church and he'll call people to come forward. Now this guy may give $10. Have you got $10? These guys got nothing. <laughs> They're students. This guy will give 20 He'll give 50 and this guy will give 100 And so the pastor will stand up the front and he will bless the people with blessings according to the money they gave. And so the guy who gave $10 from the pastor will get one blessing and he'll be, he'll be told, listen, you can go home and be assured you'll get one blessing because of your generosity today. Doesn't that warm your heart? This guy, how much did you give? 20. So you get two and you gave 50. This is five. This is generous, man. And you gave 100, you'll get 10. And that person will go home believing that they're going to be blessed according to the money they've given. And they will stand up in front of the church, in front of everybody, and this will happen. You can sit down, gentlemen. It is interesting that if you go back to some of the pagan rituals of the old age, and if you want more information on this, send me an email and I will send you some website links. I wish I had more time to go into this tonight. They used to do exactly, exactly the same thing. Did you know that? These money lines were existent in pagan old age worship in many cultures and it's been taken from the old age, put into the new age and accepted into the church. What did Jesus say about giving money? Free will. What else did he say? When you give, remember the, the parable of the, or the story of the widow and what does she do? She goes into the temple. What did the Pharisee do? He was up the front, literally, if you want to, in the what? The money line, looking for a great blessing from God. The Jews believe this very, this very, they believe this, this, this very apostasy. And yet God says when you give money, give it quietly and silently. He says your Father in heaven who sees in secret will reward you what? Openly, but when? When you get to the kingdom. We have to keep moving tonight, I don't want to hold you up too long. Uh, what about this? The sale of items to accomplish a particular need in your life. Now look at this. That is various coloured cloths. I've got an American spell check, you can see that, can't you? Various coloured cloths to place under pillows, bringing about such things as mates for marriage. Maybe that's an idea for some of you single boys here in the front two rows. Maybe this is how we could raise some money for television ministry. Healings, financial gain, the sale of holy water in Protestantism. Yes, it is there. Not Catholicism, holy water that has either been specially prayed over or has come from some type of holy water source, maybe the River Jordan. If you bathe in it or drink it, it will bring healing for any type of disease. Oh, look, (laughs) If, if you're not on 3ABN and Hope and get these other television stations, you need to go on to them. You need to go onto the internet and have a look at this. The sale of prayer cloth such as was used in the book of Acts in which anything or anyone you lay this cloth on will perform what you ordain it to perform. This is new age paganism. It's heathenism. 
evident in almost every pagan form of worship in every culture, from the islands of the Pacific to the nations of Eastern Europe, of the Mediterranean and onwards. This one I find very interesting. Forced words of a so-called prophetic nature whereby people are provoked to prophesy because a church leader will strongly imply God has something to say to his people. If no one speaks up, the people are made to feel guilty and unspiritual so someone will speak a word, obviously not from God because when God speaks, life-changing events occur. In these cases, the words are spoken but people are inattentive with looks of bewilderment and confusion. The, the, the same provocation is used to induce speaking in tongues. Listen to me, I remember when I first started in the ministry less than 20 years ago. One of the most difficult Bible studies I had was what do you think? It wasn't the Sabbath, it wasn't the second coming, what is even the state of the dead? What do you think the most difficult Bible study almost 20 years ago was for a, for a pastor to present? The ministry of who? The prophetic ministry of who? Ellen G. White. Now when I study with people and I tell them, well the church that I belong to has a prophet, do you know what they say to me? Well, guess what? So does ours. It doesn't put them off in the least. And I, I, was, I, I was interested as, as, I, as I studied the, 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 these ancient religions that prof, prophets talking gabble were an intrinsic part of ancient heathen pagan worship. Some temples, especially the, Greece, the, the, the Greek pagan temples, would have three, four hundred, the big ones sometimes a thousand prophets. And you see it in the Christian church today where people will be, will, will, will be, will, will be worshipping and, and, and the pastor up the front or the prophet up the front and, and you can see some of these guys on some of these television stations will call themselves Prophet Lloyd Grolleman. In fact, you know what I did? I, um, interesting... I did a spiritual gift test online just the other day. It took me 30 minutes to do it late at night. Guess what I came out as? A prophet! There's something drastically wrong with that spiritual gift test because I'm no prophet. I'm pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm a minister, I'm a teacher. I'm not a prophet. But sometimes in these churches for the want, for the desire to have prophecy in their midst. Someone will stand and they will speak a word from the Lord and it's not a word from the Lord at all. And I want to tell you that can be one of the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous things that can be experienced and practised in a church because if you've got someone claiming to have direct a direct word for the Lord for, for Ben Martin, Ben, this girl you're going out with, I've just had a word from the Lord. Have you seen this? Have you seen it? I've just had a word from the Lord and Ben, she's not for you. Yeah, the Lord's telling me. A good prophecy, Ben said. (laughs) Again, it's a new age, pagan practice. I keep moving quickly because there's some other things I want to tell you and I want to finish by 20 past. Um, this tongue speaking, you know, it's seen as a gift from the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, we could spend, I think Clifton, we're going to go back here on these Wednesday night programs that look, look specifically at, at tongues and, and this movement which has swept in the last hundred years across Christianity. I just want to tell you very quickly that the God we serve is a God of order. You understand that? The only disorder I see in this world is 
From who? The master of darkness, Satan himself. He gets into creation, this disorder. He causes sickness in our bodies, which is what? It's disorder. Am I right? The God of, of creation, his music, his worship, his way. Look at, look at everything God does. He is a God of order. Now you've got Paul who clear, well, well you've got the book of Acts that clearly sell, tells us that the gift of tongues is for somebody to, to get up the front and preach uh, and them to hear it. He, he's preaching in his language and they hear it in theirs. Joe, we saw it in New Guinea, didn't we? And most of you know that story, how we would get up and preach in Papua New Guinea and 20 odd thousand more people would be hearing us in, in, in uh, what do you call it, Joe? Um, Pigeon English. And it would be booming across four or five blocks People would come up and, and want to speak pidgin English to us at the end of the program. Do you remember this, Joe? And they get upset because the pastor can't speak pidgin English. They were sure he could, but he couldn't. He was speaking English. That's the gift of tongues. Paul says very clearly that if you get up in the church to exercise the gift of tongues and nobody understands you to what? Sit down and be quiet. The gift of tongues, and I've seen it, where, where, where people are, are speaking in, in gibberish. It is a pagan, an ancient pagan, heathen practice. And you go into most pagan, and they're around, heathen religions today. And you will see the gift of tongues being practiced exactly as it is in Christianity or some ports of Christianity. I'm going to go back there if, if, if Clifton doesn't. Manipulating the Scriptures by holding God responsible for every word spoken in the Bible to come true in every Christian's life regardless of the circumstances. Also included is the famous name it and claim it. You know that, you know that text, uh, if you ask for anything in my name I'll give it to you, John chapter 14, you know that? And so they'll get people up the front and they'll be claiming cars and they'll be claiming expensive homes and they'll be claiming holidays and they'll be claiming jobs and the pastor works the people up into a frenzy so, so, so that they think they can go home and, and, and they can get anything they want if they ask for it in the name of Jesus. Go and study John 14, 14, 15. It says, if you ask in my name and it glorifies God, then I will give it to you. But they tend to leave that verse off. Again, it's a pagan it's, a new, it's an old age now, new age rite, where you would go into the pagan temple and you would invoke the name of that God. And if you paid a certain amount of money, then the pagan heathen priest would tell you that what you need, you will get, you will get healing, the priest would say. Go home, you'll be okay. Five days later, you'd be dead. You will get riches. You can lose your job and so it goes. Um, I found this very interesting. Do you know who that is? Does anybody know who that is? I'm just going to change tack for a moment here. Who's that? Bishop Gene Robinson. Actively gay Anglican bishop. Ordained August, not AUD. That's the Australian dollar, which is pretty good at the moment. <laughs> He's ordained August 2003. What's that got to do with the new age? I want to tell you that this is one of the very big signs of the new age in the Christian church. When the New Age says there is no black and white, the New Age says there is no wrong, there is no white, right, there is no grey, you do whatever feels good to you and if it is good for you, if it feels good to you, then it is good for you. 
And so there is no law. You can't break God's law. And if you can't break God's law or you can't break a law, then it is alright for you to be gay or it's alright for you to live in sin and still call yourself a That is a, did you know that that is a new age fundamental belief? We looked at it last week. Did you know that? And that concept that there is no black or white, that there is no grey, that there is no wrong or right, has infiltrated, the, to our shame, the Protestant church to such an extent. People have, uh, have allowed this to, to be such a part of their experience that they can go out. Now, I'm not anti-gay. In fact, I, I feel very sympathetic. I've got relatives close who are struggling with this, this particular sin. But I want to tell you that, that when the church can ordain a, a person to leadership, to draw people to Christ and to send them to the kingdom, who openly practice, there's something definitely, there's something very, very wrong. And it's because we've incorporated into the church this new age agenda that there's nothing wrong that you can do. I could go to Christian rock music. Again, I want to tell you that this stuff, rock music, is disorder. It is birthed in paganism of Africa and that is a fact. And rock music has been taken out of paganism, baptised and put straight into the Christian church. I, I just want to tell you, and I know this from experience, you want to depower your youth group. You want to send the Holy Spirit fleeing for the hills. Then you bring Christian rock music into your church. And that is a fact. I know that from my own painful experience. And rock music the heavy beating of drums, of rhythmic drums, is used in pagan cultures to send people into a trance so that they can then be filled by demon spirits. And I want to tell you, I've had a lot to do with youth work in my ministry. And I have been involved in youth ministry where we have had young people with the rhythmic beating of the music go into a trance. I think of one very serious incident in New Zealand where the young man went into a trance and was filled with a demon, an Adventist youth camp using Christian rock music. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? And I want to tell you that that is one of the fruits of the New Age agenda that we're even struggling with in Adventism. And one of the things that warms my heart about Warunga Seventh-day Adventist Church is here is a church that doesn't participate in this practice and yet is filling up with youth so quickly that Ben and Rungi and Clifton can hardly keep up. Amen, brothers? And it's because we are avoiding as a church this depowering phenomena that is attacking not just Adventism but the Christian church with a savagery that I think we've rarely seen in the history of our church. And, and we could go on, I could take you to the miracles of, of Benny Hinn. I'm going to do an entire evening on this. We, we've run out of time. We, we could go to holy laughter. Have you heard about this? That These are all pagan practices used in heathen cultures. I could take you to a traditional church and the confessional Where does that come from? It certainly doesn't come from Catholicism. Did you know that? The Greeks, the Babylonians, 
the Assyrians, would all have in their worship a practice where you would come to the pagan priest and for a sum confess your sins. And isn't it interesting that that old age agenda has been put into an old age church and yet still continues in this new age. Uh, we're running out of time so I've got to keep going. This guy, I really like him, Joel Osteen. Have you seen him preach? I really, really like this guy. He is the pastor of a Baptist church in Houston of 30,000 people. I think he's got vision. He's a fresh looking man. He preaches well. I really, he's so positive. But in, in, in this, the, the new age agenda has landed, and we haven't got time to look at this tonight. I'm looking at that what clock. But it, it has landed into the Christian church this concept that you can be everything you want to if you just believe in yourself. Have, have you seen that? Have you heard that? It, it's rife through Christianity. You can be rich. Seven steps to being rich. That's what that book's about. And you can do it yourself. You have, God has put in, inside you everything you need to be successful. Well, well, this idea comes from paganism where, 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 you're giving, where you are given a set of, of guidelines to follow to make you successful. Of course, this is done without God. Now, you can be successful with God. There's no doubt about that. But you can't force success upon yourself down certain roads. Do you understand what I'm saying or am I losing you? Kind of, okay. There's Joel Osteen's church, 30,000 people. Wouldn't you love that at Warunga? We'd have no problems with tithes and offerings then. We have new carpet in the church. We'd have the font refurbished Clifton. We have a brand new pulpit up the front with the grace of the church. Uh, man, we'd have a hall out the side there. We, we may even build another, yeah, anyway. But you know what? Numbers don't equate success, spiritual success, do they? And then there's Harry Potter and the occult in the world being accepted by the church. Look at this, a book written by John Granger who is quite a well-known Christian author looking for God in Harry Potter. This is a book written specifically to show Christians that it's okay to watch Harry Potter and incorporate what Harry Potter uh puts on the screen into your homes and into the minds and hearts of your children. Another one, Connie Neal, What's a Christian to Do with Harry Potter, where she actually spends the entire book, she's a Christian leader, accepting the occult. This is, this is accepting the occult, witchcraft, new age of the world, full stop, without any problems whatsoever. Telling Christian parents how to answer their Christian pastors and their, their, their Christian leaders who tell them that they're kids and, and they should not be involved with Harry Potter. Uh, you even have um, this which I found in, on BBC and I kept it. Harry Potter gained the Vatican seal of approval on Monday when an official said the books helped children to see the difference between good and evil. Please help me. I don't think there's anyone in this room who grew up without fairies, magic and angels in the imagery world, Father Peter Fleetwood told reporters. You want to know something? You're looking at a boy who grew up without fairies, without magic and without angels as they see it in his life. Yes, there is. Seventh-day Adventist children were brought up by good parents. And, 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 and so it goes. And I just want to finish with this because I think it's important. And it reminds, these are texts we all know, but God's antidote to the new age in our life. Look at this. This is God talking to Israel just before they entered the Holy Land. You are a people about to enter the Holy Land. Amen? And this is what God says. And I'm interested tonight as we close 
in what God says. He says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. We might not sacrifice our children on a pagan altar to a pagan god, but we are sacrificing our children as we let them run rife with what we allow into our homes, into the television screens, onto the video screen and what we allow them to go and watch at the movie theatre. We're doing the same thing, we're sacrificing them in the fire. The Bible says, let no one be found, that's you parents among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery or interprets omens. He's going right across the range here. Who engages in sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or who is a medium or a spiritist who consults the dead. Pretty hard to go past that. Michael 5, 11 to 13, God is remonstrating with Israel with their flirtations with the old age occult. Something that's in the world today, as we've already said in this new age, I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. Look, I take this seriously. God says to us as a people, he says to us as a church, you participate in this. You bring Christian rock music into your ranks. You allow your kids to get into Harry Potter and all this other garbage. You play around with with, with, with um, the stars and, and all these other things. He says, I'll destroy your church and tear down your stronghold. I'll destroy your witchcraft. And he says, you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your carved images. Images and witchcraft go hand in hand. And your sacred stones from among you, you will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. Very serious warnings, aren't they? about even going anywhere near this sort of thing. Galatians 5.19-21 The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Idolatry, there they are together, and what? Witchcraft, new age, old age, sorcery, I don't care what you want to call it. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, I don't care. Look what the Bible says. Idolatry and witchcraft, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, and this is Paul as I did before, that those who live like this, those who participate, allow this stuff into their lives, into their homes and into the lives of their families and children, God says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's serious, isn't it? And so what am I telling you tonight as we close? Don't go near it. Don't entertain it. Don't think about it. Don't allow it into your home. Don't go and see it. Don't allow it into your mind. Don't allow yourself to listen to it. Don't read about it in the papers. Don't read about it in the the women's magazines. Don't allow it anywhere near you. You are a holy people who belong to a holy God preparing for an awesome second coming. And what does God say? He says that we are to call upon him, not witches and not wizards, not sorcerers, not soothsayers and not the stars. He says, then you will call upon me and I will come, uh, uh, sorry, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Don't you love that? And I want to leave you that with that tonight. Seek Jesus. Walk with him. As I close, pray to God 
for wisdom to open your mind to allow you to see this sinister assault that is sometimes clothed in such ambiguity that is camouflaged so well that even Christians are struggling to see it. There's a reason God said at the last days they will be perilous. He says there will be delusions that if it were possible, even the what? The elect will be deceived. Have an experience with Jesus. Whatever you do, pray for wisdom. Walk with him and do not get caught in this new age agenda that is sweeping across the world. I think as we go through this midweek um, program this year, I'm going to go back when my turn comes up and we've got a lot of guest speakers coming in and Clifton will be around. When my turn comes back, I'm going to go back if, you, if you're interested and look a little bit more carefully at some of these things we've skimmed across tonight. Would you be interested if we were to do that? Because it's a very, very uh, interesting study. Let's close with prayer. I want to invite you to stand. God, it is a really awesome thing to know that we are living at the very end of earth's history. We just skimmed across things tonight, Lord. And I pray that as people walk out of this church that they will get a sense of the great danger that is in our world today. As we've already spoken about, Lord, now we pray that you will give us wisdom to see this danger, wisdom that comes from you and no other. Bless each person who has taken the time to come out tonight. Give them a special blessing because of their faithfulness to you and being here. And bring us back next week, God, as we listen to Clifton present another very interesting and challenging topic. Thank you, God, for hearing us now. Be with us, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good night. Have a look at this. You like that? Oh, it's not on. How sad. I had a picture of Clifton there I wanted you all to see. (laughs) There he is. Doesn't he look good? Have a good night. Thanks for coming. God bless.